Well, a day off from share market worries. Well, maybe shares were climbing for most of the session, but they started to lose it in the last hour of trade in the US. So is there a reason for this small burst of optimism or is it just a bounce? We'll look at that today. Plus, inflation concerns haven't gone away. And today, US CPI will be a strong indicator of whether Fed speakers will start talking about 75 basis point rate rises again. Whilst Australia, are we getting off easy? The NAB business survey wasn't bad at all. We'll look at that today. Plus, inflation in China and more importantly, Producer prices, what do they mean for inflation elsewhere? It's Wednesday, the 11th of May, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, the share sell-off has uh, taken a day off today with shares rising. Well, most of them anyway, although they did unwind quite a bit during the hour of power at the end of trade. The Nasdaq was up over 2% but closed less than 1% up. The S&P 500 was over 1% but finished flat and the Dow actually closed 0.3% lower. Uh, For the most part, it was tech stocks feeding the reversal uh, for today anyway. Apple closed 1.6% up, Microsoft up 1.9%, NVIDIA, the chip maker, up 3.8%, but all of those much higher earlier and banks down jp morgan for example down 2.4 percent one stock that hasn't done very well is peloton down 20 percent earlier hitting a new record low because they are making heavier losses they've revised their guidance down you know why i think it's because people have realized you can just go and buy a bike and go out for a ride in the fresh air easy uh, in europe the dax closed 1.1 percent up the FTSE 100 up 0.4 percent the euro stocks 50 uh, up 0.8 percent bond movements have been swift and sharp again with yields down again, another four basis points off 10 years, heading below 3% now, only just. Uh, no movement in two-year yields, though, and 10 years are 10 or 11 basis points down across most of Europe as well. And oil lower again this morning. Brent and WTI both down more than 3%. WTI back down below $100 now, just. And Brent well below 103 which is obviously a lot better than $130, which is where it nipped at early on in the Ukraine war. And the US dollar edges ever higher another quarter percent on the dxy up to 103.9 now not far off 104 which it hit today or got close to so once again the highest in 20 years for the dxy small currency moves generally today though the biggest move of the majors is a quarter percent fall in the euro the aussie is down 0.2 percent at 69.4 us cents so rodrigo cotrill joins me today from nab in sydney the obvious question rodrigo i'm not quite sure there's an answer to this is this the end to the falls that we've been seeing in the share market? Is it a sign that things have bottomed out or is it just a bounce? I mean, if we look at the VIX today, that is uh, down a bit. It's still in the 30s, so it's still quite elevated. But we, the fact it's down, we could take as a sign that maybe markets are calming down a bit. What do you <laughs> um, Morning, Phil. Um, well, I suppose for, from our perspective, we... We remain skeptical of the, the small rebound that we've seen in the past 24 hours. Um, you, you know, when you think about sort of the big macro themes that are keeping investors worried, um, China slow down. Um, if anything, evidence uh, and news that came out uh, yesterday is that the lockdowns uh, remain very much in place and there's no evidence whatsoever that there, there will be any ease of restrictions in that regard. We also had news you know, a bit of color, the, the, the likes of Tesla struggling to, to get production out of China because of the lockdowns. And, and in fact, Tesla is one of those companies that is, you know, able to actually keep workers within on, on site and, and therefore they can continue to work. Not, not every company can do that in China. So this slowdown that we're seeing coming from China, we think still has a little bit more to play out. Uh, and of course, it all, it always has a lag effect in terms of what it means to, to the rest of the global economy. So from that perspective, we haven't seen great news over the past 24 hours. Um, and of course, the, the Ukraine war still raging on. 
yeah. and the struggles and, and the, the, you know, the, the challenge that Europe in particular faces in terms of that energy crunch. Uh, hasn't changed either. So, so the situation's not changed, is, I mean, is what you're saying, isn't it? Where, wherever yeah. we were, we're, we've still got all of those uh, headwinds to face. And yet, uh, look at falling bond yields. I mean, doesn't that normally signify markets are expecting inflation is not going to be as bad as previously thought? We've got US 10 years back down below 3%, German 10 years now back below 1%, five-year break-evens in the US below 3% for the first time since February. So, uh, I mean, is, doesn't this sort of point to an assumption that maybe inflation might be easing? Well, yeah. So I suppose there's, there's two factors there. One, um, you know, the concerns about the global growth uh, are probably being reflected in the decline in the real yields. Mm. Um, but uh, we've also seen that pullback in, in oil prices in, in the last couple of days, which played into into that break-even comment that, that you're making. Um, <clears throat> so in terms of the, the news overnight, we also had comments coming from um, the EIA and uh, noting that they, they're pulling back in terms of their expectations for demand in over the near term. But it's interesting and, and in line with what our commodity strategist has been saying is that any pullback in demand from oil because of the slowdown that we've seen, particularly coming from China, um, is essentially still, you know, being reflected on higher prices further down the line, uh, in particular because there's expectations of the rebound from China whilst at the same time there's concerns around what the U.S. will do because as much as the U.S. is giving us this extra oil supply from their reserves, the U.S. has made it very clear that after six months they want to actually replenish those mm. reserves. Yeah. So effectively what we're seeing is that an extension of higher prices into, into 2023. Right, so they're saying, well, we're going to need less of it because demand is falling, therefore we're not going to up our production. And yet uh, when, it, when, when we find that things do rebound, we're not going to have enough oil, so we're going to be back. At well, the they, 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 at the moment they're sellers, mm. uh, but they're going to be buyers, very strong buyers in six months' time to, to uh, ramp up those reserves that they've been replenishing at the moment. Yeah, yeah. All right. So what about uh, the, the commentary from Fed speakers? It seems because there's been a, quite a few of them, hasn't there, over the last 24 hours. And it almost seems like, uh, well, with, first of all, we had Loretta Mester, uh, you know, speaking common sense, basically saying 50 basis points make sense in June and July. But if inflation doesn't slow down, they might need to speed it up, which obviously means 75 basis points. And we're seeing that a, a little bit, aren't we, from other Fed speakers, including Jerome Powell almost seems to be reversing his position and saying uh, 75 basis points rather than being off the table. You know, we might need a, a larger move later, possibly in the year, later in the year after June and July. Uh, but he sort of cemented in that 50 basis points at the next two meetings. But we sort of knew that anyway. But yeah, I sense that 75 is uh, being talked about again a week later. That's all it takes. <laughs> well, yeah. So Bullard has always been the, the one kind of pushing that, that, that kind of topic. And uh, what we see now, um, after the Fed meeting is, is that now we're seeing, you know, that there's, there's a couple more that are thinking along those lines. Uh, you mentioned Fed Mester. Bostic has also opened the door saying, you know, um, we cannot rule that out if, if we see further increases in those inflationary pressures, um, a, a higher or, you know, 75 basis points hikes will be needed later in the year. Um, but they, they also suggest that the, the point out that we've seen some evidence that particularly in the hot sectors, uh, such as the, the housing and durable good order sectors, we've seen a little bit of an ease in, in those inflationary pressures, um, which encourages the view that 50 is probably the, the base case. Uh, but certainly not out of the woods and still very much data dependent. Yeah, and Europe as well. Lots of questions around Europe today because the uh, the boss of the Bundesbank gave a speech on Tuesday saying 
there is evidence that inflation increases as it gains momentum, uh, then you know that that it's a risky business not to do anything. He wants the ECB to end asset purchases at the end of next month, raise rates in July. In other words, getting on with it. He says it's a risky business if they don't. Yes, and and this certainly the, the, that that commentary coming from Europe is is getting louder and appears to be a growing consensus mm. um, that that June is is sort of the the QE story and then July should be the the, the rate hikes and and in fact the, the market is well priced for that we run eighty percent chance for for a July hike as well um, so of course the challenge for Europe is unlike the US is that they're also facing this massive slowdown. Um, uh, and the big question is, will, will the ECB be aggressive uh, in terms of its, its rate hikes in, uh, against a backdrop of slowing growth, which obviously will exacerbate that um, in order to fight inflation? So, so it's a much different uh, and bigger challenge for, for Europe. And a whole bunch of uh, ECB speakers today, haven't we, including Christine Lagarde later on tonight? Yeah, and I think that, that, that will be the important one because uh, to some extent we need to see whether Lagarde shows any signs of moving towards that hawkish rhetoric that we, we've been hearing of late mm. uh, uh, or whether she offers a sort of a, a sort of middle of the road, if you like, path. Um, which at the moment, the real debate is whether, you know, the ECB is going to take the, the deposit rate to zero or whether they will look to actually take it above zero before the end of the year. Well, how bad is inflation? We get the US inflation numbers this evening, of course. And before that, we get the April inflation rate for China as well. One's going to be very high. One's going to be a bit lower. Uh, <laughs> but uh, let's let's look at the US first. I mean, if it does go up, if it obviously, if there's an upside on this, then even more people are going to be talking 75 basis points again, aren't they? Yeah, exactly right. Uh, at the moment, there's a expectation for core CPI to be a little bit higher than the previous month. Uh, but when you look at the year-on-year reading, those base effects are the ones that are playing an important role and expectations are for the core reading to, to come down from 65 to, to 6%. So that kind of eases the, the imminent concern, if you like, of, of these inflationary pressures. Uh, to some extent, the, the concern will be how those readings look like in two months' time uh, and whether they, then the, the Fed will have to step it up again. Given that these are extraordinary times, I mean, why do we keep on, you know, talking about base effects? Why don't we just look at month on month? Why don't we ignore what it was like a year ago and look at where where we are now compared to last month or last quarter? Well, I suppose many, many economists, including ourselves, we we tend to look at that three month uh, uh, rate of change, if you like, Mm. um, um, as an indication of of what the the new momentum is. Um, But overall, you know, Typically, you, you tend to use the year-on-year numbers as a good sort of broad average, if you like. Um, but certainly, it's, it's not something that has gone unnoticed. Uh, to anything, but, but again, to that point is that although we've seen a little bit of a slowdown on that three-month uh, reading, um, the concern is that we might actually see a ramp up on that number, particularly in the second half of the year, and particularly because we haven't yet seen that impact from those supply bottlenecks that we know are coming because yeah. of the slowdown from China. Well, here, here's a line from the – there was the NFIB, the Small Business Survey, yesterday, a line from the opening. Small businesses owners are struggling to deal with inflation pressures. The labor supply is not responding strongly to small businesses' higher wage offers, and the impact of inflation has significantly disrupted business operations. Although, you know, the survey's headline number actually remains unchanged. The small business optimism at 93.2, which is, you know, it's not, it's been a lot lower. Uh, but yeah, it's certainly a message in there, isn't there? That, you know, it's, uh, it, it, it's starting to have a significant impact. Yes, um, and if anything, the expectations for the NFIB was to actually come a bit lower because of the declines that we've seen in the equity market. So mm. the sense is that, well, 
maybe the reading came a, bit, a little bit too early, and unless we see a massive rebound in equity markets, then we should expect a, a lower print in the next month. Uh, I suppose in terms of the details, the interesting thing was that we saw a little bit of an ease in, in, in those wage pressures, um, which, you know, small, I'd have from high elevated levels, uh, but still encouraging in that sense. Now, you mentioned China, lockdown's not going away. We get China's CPI and perhaps more importantly, the PPI, the producer prices as well. So CPI was 1.55 year on year last time, but PPI was uh, 8.3%. So what, what are we going to see today? Well, uh, the, the theme that we've seen in, in, in recent times is that, that PPI is expected to ease a little bit again from 8.3 to 7.8, um, whilst the CPI is expected to, uh, to climb a little bit from 1.5 to 1.8. But uh, importantly, when you think about the PBOC thinking, you know, the PBOC is targeting an inflation level of around 3, 3.5%. So 1.8 is really still very anemic, if you like. Um, mm. And if anything... Uh, it is no impediment to these expectations that the PBOC will be easing further. Uh, and in fact, all roads point to the fact that it, we should be expecting a 10 basis point cut of the MLF rates uh, next week. It's like a time warp, isn't it? I mean, that's if we want to get inflation under control, we know how to do it. Just tell people they can't go out in the house. Uh, that will <laughs> fix the problem. Look, uh, Australia, I mean, obviously Australia is you know going the same as the rest of the world, but perhaps not quite as quickly or sharply. So, I mean, is that fair to say? If we look at the evidence, so for example, uh, you know, we, we're not, we're certainly not seeing the downturn that they're seeing in, in, in Europe, for example. So we had the, 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 unless it starts later in Australia. So we had the NAB monthly business survey. It was pretty positive yesterday, wasn't it? I mean, business conditions strengthened further in April. Employment was okay. Forward orders were looking strong. Retail prices, okay, we had quarterly growth of 2.1% for April, but that's down on 3.7% for March. So it's going up, but not as fast. Uh, so, you know, it was. there's a lot of good stuff in there. A lot of good stuff, yeah. So um, in terms of the, the big reading, the business conditions rose again 20 uh, to 20 from 15. So that's very good. When you look at the details, um, Basically, all industries did well, with the exception of construction and transport, which um, are more affected, if you like, by, by those uh, energy costs, or price pressures. But when you look at the whole economy, it's, it's actually doing really, really well. Now, when we look at sort of from a perspective of, um, you know, what the RBA is thinking, particularly in terms of this issue of labor cost, uh, what is interesting is a big, big ramp up um, in, in the past two months from input, input cost, um, which, again... Um, it's telling us that as much as, uh, you know, we, we're going to get the WPI reading next, next week. Um, and there are concerns that there's not going to be a big, big number. Um, what the NAB service is telling us that, you know, over, over the next couple of months, that those price pressures, uh, not only are increasing, but it's telling us that WPI reading in, in Q2 is potentially going to be very, very big. So, uh, in terms of what we think about the, the RBA, um, we're still very, very comfortable with this idea that 25 basis points increases in June, July, and August are very likely. Um, but then uh, when we get the, the CPI and we also get the WPI readings in August, um, the potential is that those numbers may be a lot stronger than, than what the current thinking is, uh, and therefore the, the RBA will have to step up the rate of increases in terms of uh, cash rates. Um, you know, come August, September. Well, uh, the retail figures yesterday, because of course we, we had figures earlier in the month, but these are sort of the quarterly figures as well, aren't they? So we had, uh, 1.2% uh, Q on Q growth for Q1. That's on top of the 8.2% bounce we saw in Q4. So, I mean, that's great. 
except when supply is restrained, doesn't it? Because that causes inflation, obviously. It, 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 you know, strong retail points to more of an imbalance. Well, uh, yeah, but I suppose what it's telling us is that the, the consumer after, you know, the big jump that we had in, in Q4 was really sort of the reopening effect from the Delta lockdowns. Um, mm. But what we're seeing in Q1 is that there's still actually a very positive momentum and the consumer is still in a, in a, in a good place. And, and that, of course, tells us that uh, we should see a positive uh, contribution from the consumption side um, in the in Q2 GDP reading. But uh, overall, at the moment, it's telling us that there, um, there's not a lot to, to worry about in terms of what the consumer or how the consumer is feeling, particularly in Australia. Um, and um, um, I suppose uh, when we think about so that the impact that we've seen so far, uh, in terms of the the global economy, uh, and you mentioned the fact that Australia has, has sort of been benefiting from experiencing sort of the, the negative vibes, if you like, coming from the rest of the world at a much slower pace and also at the delay pace. Uh, and at the moment, the, the, the evidence continues to favour that mm, view. All right. Well, and that means presumably the consumer confidence reading we get today uh, will be pretty strong as well. Ninety five point seven last time. I mean, it has been falling steadily for the for the last five months, but. Uh, I mean, this is based on buying conditions for household items, isn't it? So it will be very much driven by inflation concerns. But it's down. But, you know, again, not as much as the rest of the world would seem to be. Yeah, it will be an interesting one because uh, we had the RBA as well, um, which might have been a bit too early to to, to be completely captured. Mm. Uh, but obviously talks of rate hikes were there. So maybe that would, would be one impact. And and the equity market also started uh, wobbling as well. So so maybe those two factors will, will play into a softer reading. Well, Rodrigo, uh, you've been far too entertaining and informative. We've spoken for far too long again. Um, <laughs> again. Uh, good to talk. We'll catch you again soon. Thanks. Thanks, Phil. Cheers. 17 and a half minutes. Sorry about that. That's it for today. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. Back again tomorrow morning. We'll see you then. Have a great day.